one of the things that always gets interesting around this time of the year are the news stories. And I don't know how many of you have been watching the news lately, but recently I came across one news story I want to I show you. And it's a news story about a church in southwest Atlanta called Cascade United Methodist Church. And my colleague, Dr. Kevin Muriel there, and what their church has been doing. And so uh, I want to start the message this morning by showing you uh, this clip. Absolutely. Tonight was the last night for families to pay off and pick up their layaway items. And for many of these families, they were still struggling to find the money at the last minute. But many of them got a call from Walmart that said, come to the store anyways. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Can I have a hunk? Yes. Oh. <laughs> for Sawanda McCreary, this was the extra Christmas spirit she needed heading into the holidays this year. McCreary told us that her 28-year-old son, Justin, died in April. And I used to take him shopping every year for his children for Christmas Eve. He left three kids behind. This year, McCreary had to do the shopping alone, which was hard emotionally and financially. So when she showed up to this Walmart in southwest Atlanta Monday to find out that Cascade United Methodist Church had paid off her entire layaway order, she couldn't believe it. It's a big help. It's a tremendous help um, because I really wasn't able to do it because sometimes I would borrow money and to get this phone call meant the whole lot to me. In all, the church paid off $10,000 worth of layaway items for more than 23 local families in need. It means everything to us uh, to see the smiles on families' faces at Christmas. I mean, you just can't beat that. We appreciate it. A generous gift that helped so many, like Laurel Sessions, who can now take home Christmas presents for the grandkids that she otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford. It helped me to be able to pay a bill that I didn't have the money for, that I needed this bill paid. And um, it just came right at the, at the right time. The right time. Such a special gift for all of those families. The senior pastor from the church told everyone that when they get a chance, that they hope, he hopes that they will be inspired to pay it forward when they have the means to. We're live tonight in Southwest Atlanta. Alyssa Hyman, Channel 2 Action News Night B. Well, good for them. That's a fantastic story. Yes, and great for the church to step in like that. Yeah. That's a great thing Cascade did. Alyssa, thank you. So that's the kind of church that people are craving in the world today, a church that is loving and a church that is generous. So I was watching the news, you know, came across that news story, then came across another story. I don't know if y'all have been hearing all the stories about porch pirates. Are you familiar with this term? Okay, so a porch pirate is basically a new term that's been coined for everybody who steals packages from people's porches. And um, now we have more and more of this happening as people are doing more online shopping, and now we get the videos of them caught on the doorbell cameras. And usually people just act like they're just going to their house, they grab the package and they just get in the car casually. And it's become somewhat normal, but then I came across one story that happened in Minnesota. On a snowy day, a porch pirate came and took a package, and then they left this note. Just a quick little thank you for leaving me the opportunity of stealing your package. Very nice of you. Thank you. Signed, the new owner of your package. That's the kind of person you want vengeance against, right? And you want justice, and, and you just want them to get their due. So I came across that story. And then there was the one, I don't know if you saw this one, about the company that gave out $50,000 bonuses to all of their employees. Did y'all see that? 
And I mean, man, you should have seen the employees' faces. They were so ecstatic. And then everybody else on social media was so angry. And people were like, why can't I work at a business that gives out $50,000 bonuses? And overall, they gave out $10 million. And so I was watching that story. And then, of course, you got to the, the later stuff in the week with all the politicians. And everybody in Washington is at each other's necks. People are hating our politicians. And sometimes at Christmas, you know, this is the time of the year when people all come together and we can kind of unify around things. But it looks like this year isn't going to be the year. And so as I was looking at all these different news stories, I mean, you see during this time of the year on the news, people who love to give and people who just want to get. You see people who are generous and have stuff to give, and you see people who are in desperate need and who need to receive. You see uh, people who are doing great good in the world and people who are doing great harm in the world. And as I was looking at all the news stories, I began to realize that everybody on those news stories has one thing in common, and that is that they all need Christmas. Every single person that I've seen on the news, they all need Christmas. And when I say they all need Christmas, I'm not talking about they all need more stuff under the tree or a little more Christmas cheer and to just slap a fake smile on their face on Christmas morning. I'm not saying they all need more time with family or just a little more holiday spirit of the right radio station. When I say they all need Christmas, what I'm talking about is they all need the good news that comes at Christmas. And not only do they need Christmas and the good news that comes with it, your neighbors need Christmas, which is why we want you to invite them and bring them, have them come sit with you at Christmas Eve. Your neighbors need Christmas. Your dysfunctional family members who are coming into town need Christmas, unless you're the dysfunctional family member and you need Christmas. I need Christmas. We all need Christmas and the good news that comes along with it. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell them you need Christmas. Turn to the person next to you, tell them you need Christmas. Emily, you need Christmas. She didn't have anybody there. And when we look back at that very first Christmas, we begin to see the good news that comes at Christmas. In Matthew's account of that very first Christmas, we begin to see very quickly what the good news of Christmas is. This is how he he begins. He states it very matter-of-factly. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. You're engaged. She comes and says, I'm pregnant. You're not the father. This child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This was not good news for Joseph. This was bad news. This, I mean, this was, this was terrible news. I mean, he probably just sat there stunned like, I, I don't even know what to think or believe or anything right now. But because he was a righteous man and, and there were laws and regulations about what to do in a situation like this, um, we read in verse 19, because he was faithful to the law and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He made a plan to do that. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel's confirming what Mary told him. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. He gave him the name Jesus. Here in these very early accounts of Christmas, Matthew tells us very clearly the good news that comes at Christmas. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus' mission in this world is to save people from their sins. Jesus' mission is to save people from their sins. Now, sin is something you don't hear newscasters talking about sin much. You don't hear a lot of sin language in our public discourse anymore. But sin is simply willful disobedience to God, to God's laws and God's commandments. It's, it's breaking, ultimately, the relationship that he wants between us and him and the relationship he desires between us and other people. And if you recall, one day Jesus was asked, how do you sum up all of the law, all of the commands? And he said, you can sum it up in these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we're, we're not loving God with all we have, and when we're not loving our neighbors, when we're hateful, when we're lying, when we're deceitful, when we're stealing, when we're coveting, then we're sinning. And all of us have sinned. I mean, sin is something that affects all of our lives. It affects our relationships here in the present. It affects our relationship with God. And sin not only affects us, it infects us. And so at the core of our being, without God's grace at work in us, our propensity is towards sin. But the good news of Christmas is that Jesus' mission is to come and to forgive us of our sins. To do something that we couldn't do on our own to forgive us of our sins. And as we we look in Matthew's account of that very first Christmas, we also begin to see the method God chose in order to complete this mission. The method God chose in order to forgive sins. We see very early that he chose to come among us. He chose to step into the brokenness, the darkness, the mess, the muck, the sinfulness of our world. God chose to become one of us. And he was born as a baby, placed in a manger, and then soon he began to grow up. And as Jesus lived his life, Jesus lived a perfect life. He he lived out those two great commandments, the, the command to love God with all that he had and to love other people. He did those perfectly. He showed us, he revealed to us how we're called to live in this world. And then ultimately, he laid down his life for us willingly on the cross. And he died for our sake. He took sin upon himself. He took death upon himself. He died, and then three days later, the good news of Easter is that he rose again. 
He conquered sin. He conquered death. He made a way for us to be forgiven from our sin. But not only did he make a way for us to be forgiven from our sin, he broke the power of sin in our lives so we can live free from it here and now. And so the method that God chose for this mission was the incarnation, was crucifixion and resurrection. And the motivation behind all of this, the motivation behind all of Christmas is love. It's love. I want to read this from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God sent his one and only son into the world to forgive us of our sins. He came, he lived, he died, and he rose again because of love. And right now, I don't, I don't know where your mind is. Maybe you're thinking about all the preparations and the wrapping and the family and all of that stuff. But if you're zoning out, I just want you to zone in for this one moment. I just want you to hear this one thing this morning. And that is that God loves you. God loves you. He not only loves you, he likes you. He delights in you. And God, he, he, he loves the you that's right here and right now. He's not saving his love for the new version of you that you're gonna try to achieve and create yourself in 2020. He loves you with an unconditional love. He's not waiting on you to get your life together and to get your life cleaned up. God loves you. He loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. That was the motivation behind Christmas. I think if we're honest, we all need love. We all know that. We all need forgiveness. We all need someone to walk alongside of us in life and, and to know that we're not alone. And all of these gifts are gifts that Jesus Christ brings us. When he's in our life, we receive this gift of love. We receive this gift of forgiveness. We receive this gift of companionship through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And it's the greatest gift we can ever receive. But, but this gift of Jesus in our lives and all of these great things that he brings us, I mean, it's like other gifts you might find under the tree during this time of the year. I mean, it's not enough to just have a gift under your tree when it's wrapped up and it's in a box from Amazon that's all taped up, right? To, to really enjoy the gift you have to open up the package. You have to receive it. You have to take hold of it. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. 
we receive him into our lives by faith. We receive him by, by believing in him, making him the Lord, the leader of our lives. And when we do, we begin to receive all of these benefits of a relationship with him. Light, life, love, forgiveness, companionship, all of those things. But as you receive the gift of Jesus, this is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn his love or deserve his love. It's an unconditional free love for all of us. But as you receive this gift of Jesus into your life, this gift, like other gifts you might receive at Christmas, also comes with some responsibilities. Which brings me to another news story that I saw recently, and it was a news story put out by the animal shelters. I don't know if y'all know this, but Christmas is a time when lots of people give gifts of animals to other people as surprises usually. You know, parents will surprise kids with a puppy or, you know, somebody gives their, their girlfriend a puppy or boyfriend, a cat, or, you know, people give all sorts of different gifts. And, and look, I love my dog, Henry, and I actually gave him to Emily at Christmas a few years ago. He is an awesome dog. But what happens, according to this news story during this time of the year, is that people give these pets as surprises and then the people who receive them aren't willing to take responsibility for them. So they, they get a dog at Christmas and then all of a sudden they go to PetSmart and they realize, what, you have to like pay for food? You have to groom the dog? You, when you leave town, you have to board the dog? You have to do all this stuff and it gets very expensive and then they start thinking about their lifestyles and they're like, well, I mean, I like a pet in theory, but like I need something I can just leave for like weeks at a time and just do my own thing and live my best life. And so people are, are flooding shelters with animals during this time of the year. Thousands and thousands of pets are dropped off at parks and all over because they were given as gifts, but the people who took them in, they weren't willing to take on the responsibility. And while Jesus is no pet, don't get him confused, he is the Lord, as Joe just sang, the Lord of all creation. He is the Lord of all animals. He is the Lord over everything. And he is a free gift, the gift of Jesus Christ into our lives. When we receive him, that gift also comes with responsibilities. And in 1 John, as we continue reading, we discover what some of those responsibilities are. 1 John 4 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love because he first loved us and whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and and sister. So John tells us Jesus, out of love, out of his love for all people, all creation, laid down his life for us. And now, as people who've received that love, we also ought to be willing to love all people and lay down our lives for them as well. And then it, if that passage wasn't explicit enough, elsewhere in his letter, he goes on to reiterate this. He says, this is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Once we receive the love of God in our hearts and the gift of Jesus Christ, our mission becomes to point people to him, the one who came to forgive sins. Our method is to lay down our lives for other people. And our motivation for all of these things is to be the same motivation that was behind Jesus Christ laying down his life. And that motivation is love or to put it quite simply Jesus loved all and laid down his life for all now he calls us to love all and lay down our life for all people as well and this is difficult I mean this is very difficult because if we're honest a lot of times we don't want to love people we don't like them amen is there somebody in your life you don't like it's just me. We don't like them. They get on our nerves. They irritate us. They've wronged us. They've said slanderous things against us. People have hurt us. They've hurt other people. They have been, been partaking in injustices. And so we say, how can I love that other person? And in those moments, we have to return to the love that we've received from God that we didn't deserve. The unconditional love that God has for us, and we have to remember that we're called to extend that love to other people. But another reason loving other people is hard is because love is hard. Love is hard to do. We have to remember, God didn't think he loved us and just leave it there. God didn't feel that he loved us and just leave it there. No, we see at Christmas that, that God put his love into action. He came into our world in a concrete and in a physical way. And so we find that love is not just something we think in our minds. I love that person. I mean, that's easy to do. It's not just something we feel in our hearts. Love requires sacrifice. Love requires us putting it into action and sacrificing for the sake of others. And that's very difficult. It's very difficult to do it to people that we like. And it's even more difficult to do it to people that we don't really like. But Jesus says in the Gospels, it's easy to love people who love you. It's much harder to love your enemies, but that's the standard we're called to. To love all and to put our love into concrete action. In the sermon series that we've been in, Advent Conspiracy, and a lot of it is pushing towards that. Pushing towards putting our love into action in concrete ways for other people here, near, and far. And if you're not familiar with this movement, uh, this isn't just our church doing it. There's thousands of churches all over the world in this same sermon series, and there's a book that goes along with it, but it was all started about a decade ago by about five pastors here in the United States. 
And these pastors came together and in the midst of the chaos of the season and the hyper-consumption and everything, they said, you know what? Let's challenge our churches to worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. So they began doing that. And as they were doing planning and preparations, they took a trip to Liberia. And they went there because they said, you know what? If we're going to tell people they need to spend less money on, on stuff and on junk, let's help them redirect their money to causes that can change lives in concrete ways. So they went to Liberia with a, a water organization that digs wells in remote villages and, and for people who don't have clean water. And they went to one village in Liberia, a very small village, and they went to the well there and they saw the water that people were drinking. And it had a greenish, muddy tint to it. It was full of debris, it was full of insects, full of other stuff that was making people sick. And they soon learned that, that regularly, children, women, and other people in the village died because of the lack of clean drinking water. And so they said, look, you know, we're privileged, we have resources, like, let's do something about this. And so on the trip, they said, you know what, let's, let's provide the funds to provide a well for these people. And so they went to the village chief and they had a translator with them and they brought him the good news that they and their churches were gonna, were gonna love this Christmas season and they were gonna provide a well for his village. And as they told the chief this good news, the chief received it with a blank stare on his face. And so they, they said to the translators, they said, uh, Maybe it didn't come across correctly. Tell them again the good news that we're gonna provide clean water for them. We're gonna, we're gonna change their lives. Again, blank stare from the chief. And then through the translator, he told them this. He said, others have made promises in Jesus' name, but they've never followed through. People had told this chief and his village, Christians, well-meaning Christians like you and me, they told him, we love you. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus for you. But they never did anything about it. They're saying, yeah, God, God wants to spend eternity with you, but for the village, they're like, well, I guess God doesn't care about us right here and right now. And so, after years of empty promises, when the chief heard this good news, he'd kind of given up hope on Jesus and his people that they were actually going to follow through with it. And this broke the pastors. And so they went back to their churches because they said, look, you know, love, it has to be more than a thought. It has to be more than a feeling. It has to be more than, than sending pamphlets around the world or something and writing books. They said, we have to put our love into action. And so that very first Christmas of the Advent Conspiracy, they got together their handful of churches and they raised $500,000 and they gave it to that organization. And they said, go dig wells all around the world. Provide clean water for people. And the first village they went to and they dug the well in was that village there in Liberia. And so on that day when the well came, the chief saw love in action. He began to understand more of what true love or what God's love 
looks like in this world. And since that day, churches all over the world have been taking part in the Advent conspiracy. And to date, over $12 million has been given away to other causes through local partnerships and through global nonprofits to help give clean water to people, to help clothe people who are in need, to give education and reading and other things like that, and to help feed hungry people. And if you've been with us during the month of December, you know that part of what we're doing is we're now taking part in this by celebrating Christmas differently. That's why next Sunday, the final Sunday of the year, we're not just gonna talk about love. We're not just gonna sing about love. We're gonna put love into action as we pay for, as we pack, and as we send 10,000 meals around the world in partnership with Rise Against Hunger. We're doing this because God loves all and we want to play our small part. And sometimes this can get overwhelming thinking about, okay, loving all people. As somebody once said, when you're trying to figure out who to love, just start with someone. And that's what we're doing this year. We're starting with these 10,000 meals, which are going to be sent around the world. Some are going to stay in our area. And we have a video here for those of you who might not have a, a full visual you are concept about to of go what's on a happening. Journey to so you can see. You are about to go on a journey to see how a Rise Against Hunger meal makes it into the hands of those who need it most. Welcome to one of Rise Against Hunger's school feeding programs located in Lusaka, Zambia, where over 40 children gather to learn and share a lunch. For many of these children, this will be their only meal of the day. These meals do more than just nourish the body. They allow the students to focus, advance their education, and most importantly, provide hope for a brighter future. Every day, Rise Against Hunger meals are served around the globe in medical clinics, vocational training programs, elder care facilities, and schools just like this. Each meal is a moment to celebrate. It's a step on the path to zero hunger by the year 2030. Let's take a look at how each of these moments is made possible. It all begins when a group gathers to host and take part in a meal packaging event. Before the big day, raw ingredients are ordered, prepped and loaded onto Rise Against Hunger trucks to be delivered. When the event is set up, volunteers begin filing in, donning gloves and hairnets and getting settled at their stations, knowing with confidence that alongside their friends, family and members of the community, they are going to be changing lives with each meal they package. At the conclusion of a meal packaging event, these pallets are sent to our on-the-ground partners via shipping containers. After reaching the destination port, containers are unloaded and pallets of meals are distributed to our impact partners. The meals are prepared in bulk to feed the children at the school. The effect of these meals is community-wide the hands at our meal packaging events are the last ones to touch the meals before they are unboxed and served to those children and families who need them the most. Together, we can create a world where hunger doesn't exist. So we want you to come. We want you to join us next Sunday. Sacrifice one Sunday of the year. It's gonna be about an hour and a half. We want you to come 
and particularly for this event, if you have family members, friends who are skeptical of the church, who hate singing and hate listening to messages and things like that, and they don't like all this stuff, I want you to personally invite them and tell them this Sunday is going to be very different. We want you to come and serve. So we want to invite you to sacrifice that one Sunday. We want to invite you to give sacrificially during the season to help fund these 10,000 meals around the world. I mean, it's crazy. 100 meals is $34. Give to $34, 100 meals. Like I said, you can sign up uh, through the link in your bulletin. You can donate there. But we want you to be a part of this great day where we don't just talk about love and think about love, where we put love into action. And the reality is, in the grand scheme of things, this probably isn't going to make the news. I don't think anybody's going to be coming, doing big stories on our church, packing 10,000 meals and sending them around the world. But that doesn't matter. Because for each man, woman, and child who receives a meal, it will be good news to them. And it will help point them to the good news of Jesus Christ that comes at Christmas. During this time, we remember that God entered the messiness of our world. He sacrificed. He laid down his life out of love for us. Now he calls us to lay down our life for other people with love as well. So let's pray and ask God to give us the courage to do that. God, we thank you for your love. It's overwhelming to think about that you love each and every one of us here unconditionally, freely, that you want us to receive that gift. So God, we pray this Christmas you'd help soften our hearts. Help us open ourselves. Open our hearts, God. Break down the walls by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can can experience your love. And God, as people who've experienced your love, help give us the courage to sacrifice for other people, to lay down our pride, to lay down our schedules, to lay down the control that we seek in this world. God, help us to sacrifice for the sake of other people. God, we're we're praying ahead of time for these meals that are going to be sent around the world. We pray that they would be tangible signs of your love for people. And God, we also ask that you'd help us to love the people here around us during this season. Because God, we know that sometimes it can be easier to love people on the other side of the world than it can be to love our neighbors and to love our family members. So during these days ahead, we pray that you would fill us with love and you'd help us extend that to the people that we come into contact with here as we're out and about in our homes and beyond. God, thank you. Thank you, and we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus.